Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. We'll be traveling back this evening, so y'all pray for him. So honored that he got the call to uh, go down to preach. I am so, so blessed uh, this morning to have a very, very special guest speaker. Been praying about who God would have me to, uh, to call upon to share testimony, to share truth, to share faith. And uh, God took me to this uh, friend of mine from school and, and been coming here, a, a part of Northridge Church since the day we began. And uh, I, I talked to uh, Robbie a little bit ago, and I said, I'm going to tell him that she's Robbie Armstrong's wife. He's in all, they won't know her that way. I'm, I'm Sarah Armstrong's husband, so we'll, we'll do it that way. But I want you guys to please make welcome, uh, if you would, Sarah Armstrong. Sarah, come on out. started thinking about how I'm going to do this, um, I said, I can't stand up here like this because this is normally my home, and in probably about five minutes, I'm going to be instructing you to pick up your three and four-year-olds right over here and your first and second graders right over here because this is where we have our dance studios. Um, but my comfort area is I want to sit down and I want to talk with you today. I don't want to talk at you. Um, I want to share what is in my heart, what I've been through, and hope that it reaches somebody. Um, I know that there's someone who needs it desperately out there. I needed to hear myself say it. And that was the biggest test for me, is there was so much that I had not admitted to, so much that I had not completed or finished. Um, so I'm going to have a seat right up here by the ferns. I'm going to try not to holler in this thing. I don't really like mics. I would you like this, but um, I probably won't make it through page six. No. Um, this is just for notes because um, I'm a little ADD, ADHD. Um, we'll probably get a little SAD. So um, this is just going to help me out and keep me on track um, since I do tend to get a little off course. But um, I've taken my um, place among the ferns. And for those of y'all who knew my mother, she was the queen of the ferns. Um, we always had these beautiful ferns across the front of our house. So this seems oh so fitting and oh so appropriate. Um, when Mark first came to me, um, I thought what an incredible honor to share my story, our story of my mother's battle with cancer, how it affected our family, um, and what came out of it, what took years to come out of it for in some cases. Um, our family has been affected by this disease more than any family should be affected. We lost my grandmother, Grandmother Sarah, at the age of 48. My mom was only 22. Her brother was 17. My mom was in college at the University of Georgia and knew very little about her mother's illness or treatment until it was time. And when that happened, and mom shared with us when we were old enough to understand, she promised us that she would always be open, she would always be very honest, should heaven forbid this happen to her. My mom was Johnny Adams Ellington. Um, she was born in Butler, Georgia. She was pretty much raised in a revival tent in the heart of the Bible Belt. Um, she was a woman of unceasing faith, um, amazing devotion to her family, especially her children. She was 52 when she passed away. It was September 5th, 1996. Um, those, those days were rough at that time. We were older. 
Cliff and Mark were both 25. I was 24. Um, Jeff was 22. Alicia was 21. And our baby sister was 11. Now, you need to know, if you didn't know Mama personally, as a teacher, as family or friend, um, Mama, Miss Johnny, which I called her Miss Johnny. She was my teacher. Sometimes I was afraid to call her Mama in the classroom. Miss Johnny, J. Lou, Lou number one, Mama J. Those were all the names that we used for Mom. Um, she was probably the most amazing lady to ever walk the face of this earth. And I know I'm partial. I know I'm biased. But she was the last of the Southern Bells. She was always done to the nines. She had an undeniable kill them with kindness way about her that I think I inherited a pretty good bit of. Um, she also thought that if you just get up, if you just get dressed, if you just put your face on, you would feel better. And it is so true. Just get up, get your clothes on, and you will feel better. Um, she had sayings. Oh, my Lord, she had sayings. Um, you can get glad in the same britches you got mad in. Um, my favorite, um, which was really used a lot with all five children in the house, I may be some dumb, but I'm not plumb dumb. Um, and I still hear myself channeling my mother with that one. Um, she loved catfish. She loved coffee. Better yet, she loved cold fried catfish and coffee the morning afterwards. She was in her element on the side in a box um, at a Tennessee walking horse show. And I don't know if you've ever seen a Tennessee walking horse show and how graceful. The, the back end sit down and the front just reaches out and it's amazing to watch. And she would channel her best Southern Belle Arsenio Hall woo, 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 from the side. And no matter where you were in the arena, you could hear Mama on the side of that stadium hollering for Sonny as they would tell those horses to walk on. But um, she um, had been around the world, lived in places I only dream about going one day. My brother and I were both born in China, came back to Butler, then to Americas, and then made our way to Thomaston. Um, she taught the unteachable, was a school teacher in the system here for years. She loved the unlovable, and she reached the unreachable. She blended our house We stopped by McDonald's on the way home from St. Simon's this morning. <laughs> she blended our house into a home that knew no halves, no steps. We were all loved exactly the way we were loved. And while everyone who knew her felt special for knowing her, they didn't get half of what we did. When Pastor Mark asked me to speak, um, he said, hey, don't say no, don't say yes, just hold on. I am my mother's child. No is not an option. You have to do this. I had to do this. Um, those who know me, sister wife, um, I don't say no very well. I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, I have a reminder enough. Um, I'm learning. I'm learning. But when he said and he asked, there was not a question as to whether I would speak and what I would say. It was how I would handle it. Um, and we'll all tear together. I, I said the tithing guys should have bought out tissues. You put in your check, you take out a tissue this morning. But Mark also has taught us that um, here at Northridge, we're on Alabama time. So get comfortable. Grab your tissues. It's time to go. Um, 
I didn't really know where I was going to go with it. I didn't know what I was going to say. Um, I knew I needed to do this. Um, but, and again, we have been here since the very inception of the church. And I was going, I had to leave for my first time, missing church for UDMA, which is our big costume show for the dance studio, two weeks ago. And I'm flying down 285, and I've got J93 going, and then I'll go to 104.7. I'm back and forth, back and forth. And lo and behold, they, and when I say they, that is my mother and my mighty band of angels, which helped me every single day, decided to enlighten me as to what my path would be this morning. Lindsay McCall's song, One More Step, came on. And if you haven't heard it, go home and listen. Um, it, it's, a, it's a doozy. Um, and it all became clear and a weepy mess all at the same time. And at that point, I knew where I had to go with this. And that's where my story begins. Once upon a time, there was a little girl with pigeon toes. And a chocolate thumb. A little girl so painfully shy that I spent every moment literally wrapped up in my mom's skirt. I mean, so tight, bound like a little burrito, that neither one of us was going to be able to take one more step. We were not going anywhere. Now, the joke of all this is, until the age of two, they thought I was special. And not the good kind of special. I didn't talk. I didn't say anything. I was wrapped up in that skirt. And um, I know it's hard to believe now, isn't it? Now y'all going, get off the stage. But um, it was, I just didn't want to do it. I wanted that thumb. I wanted that skirt, satin edge blanket. I'd be happy. To help get me out of my shell and to improve my pigeon toes, my mother put me in my very first dance class. Now, like all dance studios of today, we finished the year with a grand performance, a recital. And we, our class, was set to be the cutest little group of hula girls you had ever, ever seen. Well, I got up, I got ready, and I marched onto the side of the stage, and I locked down. I stood strong, I wasn't going anywhere on the side of the stage. Well, my mother came up there. She took me outside, and we had, as my sister will kindly remember, one of her famous coming-to-Jesus meetings. And then she put me right back up on the side of that stage, and out I went. Through sniffles and tears, I made my way one more step, one more step, one more step, all the way around that stage, till I ended up right beside a huge floor fan that was ever so gently blowing our hula skirts. As luck would have it, that and a little hula bump, that huge floor fan, not so gently, ripped off the back portion of my hula skirt and sent it flying out over my fellow hula dancers. So I was the bare bottom hula dancer in my very first dance recital. Not exactly the way most dance studio owners would boast of how they started in their profession, but that's when I looked back and I said, it wasn't about the performance. It was about the experience of that very first step that my mom 
helped me make, and helped me take. Whether it's been across stages, in the classrooms, onto battlefields, down the aisle, into parenthood, our mom has been with us every step of the way, here or not here. There's so much of her that lives through us that we're never alone and we're never without her. It was March 1994 when I was in the winter of my senior year at North Georgia College that we got the call about my mom's diagnosis. Cliff was at school with me, and before we could even make arrangements to incomplete classes and our tests to get home, mom had already had a radical mastectomy, removing the affected breast, as well as, as lymph nodes surrounding the area, and she was at home resting before we could ever get home. She went through both chemotherapy and radiation like a trooper. Without fail, she and Sonny pulled out the horse shears, shaved her head with a bottle of champagne. She donned that wig, and the funniest story about her wigs, it was never, and I'll, I'll explain the, the helmet um, in a minute, was never my mom's helmet. And you would have to know my mom to know her helmet. Um, but uh, Pam Driver had just passed away when mom just got her first wig, and she went to her funeral. And about the time the service was ending, a wind came along, and mom's wig picked up. She's, don't you do that to me, Pam. Not this first time. But she was happier at home without it on. We got used to. She always wanted curly hair, and when her hair came back, it was all curly back in here. She had this little curly mullet. We gave her a hard time, but she loved it, and we loved it. Um, in the, I guess it was summer, end of summer 1994, we hit the all-clear mark, and life went on as normal as possible for our family. And within a year, summer of 1995, I met a guy. And not just any guy, the guy. And Mama knew it the second she knew that she met him. Um, we didn't date long. Should have asked me out sooner. Just saying. We had a short engagement. It was long enough to perfect every detail, but short enough to keep us from going insane. We met with the preacher to, to discuss all the ins and outs of the to be married. But it was my mom's words that really hit home more than anything else, and that was to love each other, to talk to each other, not at each other, and to laugh every single chance you can. We've gotten really good at the laughing part, really good at the laughing part, and it's helped us over the last 18 years. It was through that one more step towards the altar and all the wedding hustle and bustle that we started to notice mom's issues with headaches, her balance, She'd pass it off to being sinuses or just being stressed and tired, but we knew something was up. At our reception, we asked Dr. Elsie to please check Mom out. You know, she's having headaches. It's probably just sinuses. Just check it out. We got back from our honeymoon, and four days later, Sonny called to let us know that the cancer was out of remission and that she had um, three floating tumors in the fluid of her brain one deep in her chest, one in her hip, and one in her knee. And I longed for the days of pigeon toes and chocolate bugs. I needed that kind of safety and security. I'm, I'm a fiercely independent and strong woman, and um, I don't handle weakness well. I don't handle sickness well. I don't, um, 
It's a challenge I can't master. It's something I can't control. And that's been my biggest weakness of all of this. I cry tears, buckets, about how the disease ravaged my mom's body. For the done to the nine ladies, the last of the Southern Bells, took her energy, her time with her baby daughter, her signature traits, like her jet black hair. We used to laugh that she had rubbed it around in a thing of charcoal, that if she were to shake it, little flecks of black would, would fall off. And she called it her helmet. It was her helmet. It was her safety. I cry about the graduations, the weddings, the births that are joyous in their events and their occasions, but it's just not perfect. It's not complete. I cry about the days of old and the, the, the longing for the memories, for the times that will never be. And sometimes, like last night, I cry for the times that most joyous of times that I want my mom there right now. When all the dance recitals and all the accolades and everything else don't matter, that this huge step does. But the one thing that I will never, ever cry about was the way she died. The path God led her down prior to her passing. You see, in the days that my mom knew were her last, she didn't beg for mercy. She didn't ask for healing. She didn't ask for strength for her family. She didn't hide in sorrow. She shared her faith. Happy, jovial, every visitor she saw, she met with open arms, and her complete and total mission was touching their lives. Now, my mother had a funny little sense of humor, and we had been raised with the amazing, relatable storytellings and preachings of Papa, Dr. Preacher, Reverend Al Simmons. Um, I'm Presbyterian by faith, um, and even as children, we understood the Bible because of how he preached. He made it to where we wanted to know more, and we understood. Well, Papa had retired, and we got a new Presbyterian preacher. He was young, and my mom made it her mission in her final days to make David Dell a better preacher. Hmm. Hmm. And I said she had faith. She, she found her faith that she prayed, she studied the good book, she talked to David for hours, hours, on end, hoping to make a lasting impact. But in the end, she finally admitted to us, her family, that she just was not that big a miracle worker. And the Presbyterian Church made it to a stand, and life went on. But she never stopped. She never ceased. She stood strong and confident in her, in her religion and safe in the arms of her father, refusing to let cancer define who she was while she was here. On Thursday night, September the 5th, 1996, I drove home early from Valdosta to help get my mom over a rough patch, over, over a hiccup while she was in the hospital, and bring her home. It, we weren't staying. 
it was it was just for a little relief, just for a little help. But as I made my way through the night, I realized that night was not like any other night we had ever had, and we're not in the same. So I prayed. I prayed harder than I've ever prayed. And the first time I've ever literally opened and out loud over my mother as hard as I could prayed. And not for strength for me, not for healing for my family, but for finally God's will to be done. Let there be peace. As the evening went on, my mom continued to pull at her oxygen mask. Making no sense at all, talking, babbling. I didn't understand. I, at first, I was trying to calm her, trying to soothe her, and then I realized she's she's not in distress. She's not she's not angrily trying to get away from her. She's talking to somebody. She's having a conversation. It wasn't hurried. It was gentle. And I'd heard stories of people connecting to loved ones long lost. That there's someone there that guides them, that walks them through. But I had never been a big, big, real, big believer of that. As the conversation goes on with this person, she gradually makes her eyes to the doorway and to the right side of her bed. And there's no need for words. A calmness, a peace come over her, comes over her, and she's just content. Absolutely, 100%, not by herself in the arms and in the company of someone else, content. She follows them over the bed and looks at me. And then almost right through me, she's gone. She was never alone. And I was there to see her take one more step. And it's the strength that God gave me with that knowing that she didn't go by herself, that she is in such a better place that, that got me through going home and holding my 11-year-old little sister and telling her her mom is gone. It's what got me through the funeral and sort of put me on autopilot to take care of every detail, the ins and outs and the daily doings without even knowing what was really going on. Without being there for my mom's last Yet most important first step, I could have never made it. All while basking in the comfort of what I thought was for me, I completely and totally missed the point. I was gifted that experience. Not just to share with those I feel comfortable with, but to share with the people who grieve like me, the child who's scared to death, and the soul that is alone in a com room completely full of people. All this time I've called myself a Christian, I've gone to church and I've believed in God, but I did not understand what his plan was for me. It wasn't until our, we took our first step into Northridge that I better understood what they had been trying to tell me all this time. God has been ever-present in every step my mother took with me. And while I channeled that as to my mother, it, it wasn't her. It was her grace. 
but it was him through her that got me to where I am. I truly believe that my place is stepping into the lives of young ladies, helping them to see their faith and the unfailing love. And I can't say that enough, the unfailing love. Even when you feel like he's not there, he is there. That children and little girls just don't see nowadays. In my life where every step, every day, step after step, consists, usually and hopefully, in beautiful harmony and perfect rhythm, it took me taking that very last step with my mom and finally acknowledging it and understanding what they had seen in me and for me all this time. My favorite verse has always been Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God has forgiven you. And while forgiveness for others has never been a problem for me, Robbie will say I do it way too easy. I say, it's all right, we're good, we're good. I'm a lot harder on myself. My battle since stepping into this opportunity has been forgiving myself for years of aimless wandering and a good bit of a life that I feel has been lost because I didn't listen and I didn't see what they saw. The powers that be have finally realized what peace I find in music. And there is not another Christian artist in this whole wide world that gets me like Matthew West. And, I mean, he just knows me. He knows me to the T. Every song he sings, every lyric he, that he belts out has got my name on it. He's got my number. He's got me tagged. I'm done when he comes on. But Monday morning, this past Monday, I had written this over the course of, like, the last two weeks and thought, I'm done. Every time I put down the pen and quit typing, I'm done. I got it. I said what I wanted to say. Dadgummit, Monday morning I get in the car and I crank it up and outpour his lyrics. Show me how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness. In the very words that I've used for years to describe my mother, here's this man. Here's this song. And I finally got it. My aha moment, as we like to call it. Today, and all of this, wasn't about making you feel sad. It is to let you know that I'm here and I understand more than you'll ever know. It's not to make you feel emotional about what cancer did to my family. But instead, it's about taking one more step, sharing my faith with you just as my mother did in her final days. The forgiveness and I can't say that enough, the forgiveness, all is well, of a terrible disease and the heartache that it brings, the compassion to love one another without ceasing through good times and bad, and the countless blessings found through an earthly loss and the heavenly You can be seated for just a moment. Um, I'm inspired. I appreciate so much you sharing. Yeah, yeah, amen. 
And I also am a note taker. And I got a couple of good one-liners. I'm going to give her credit, your mom, for a while, and then I'm going to coin these as my own. Get glad in the same britches you got mad in. I like that. I also think about taking one more step. As the band comes, I also think about the word that she says, having a come-to-Jesus meeting. And then the words of wandering aimlessly through life before you finally get it. We're not done with the service. We've got one more thing we're going to do very, very special. But I, I want to give you an opportunity to have a come-to-Jesus meeting right now. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me all over this room. You know, the Bible said it is appointed unto man wants to die. The appointment with death is one, my friend, that we will not be late to. In this life, we may never understand that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 57 and following suggests that this fleshly corruptible body cannot, cannot inherit eternity in this form that it's in. You see, it's a cursed form because of the entrance of sin into this world. So we have to put on that incorruptible, that, that glorified body. You see, I stand before you today as not only a pastor, but also one who, who grieves the loss of his own father to this dreadful disease. There's no way of understanding what someone has gone through until you yourself have gone through it. I thank God for that knowledge that I have today, that even in the loss of my father, I've gained something, something that is profound. To know that my dad is more alive today than he's ever been before. Because he's got a new body. No more cancer. No more pain. No more sickness. No more death. But I ask you today, as we're left here in this life to deal with the struggles of this world. Guys, do you know where you'll spend eternity? Maybe you came today to encourage Sarah. Maybe you came today to, to be a part of support and Debbie Lord and some of the efforts that these wonderful women in this community are doing to pour into lives with other people who have cancer, all forms of cancer. Or maybe you came because someone drug you here, somebody invited you, but let me tell you why I believe you really came. You really came because the Holy Spirit drew you to this place for such a time as this. Where will you spend eternity? You see, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. I stand before you today as a sinner saved by His marvelous grace. The wages of our sin is death. That's what we deserve according to Scripture. That there is a life required for the sin of this world. But see, the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus in Romans 6.23. You see, Jesus gave you His life in the place of yours in the place of mine that you and I may be made right with God. You see, we're still guilty. The judicial rendering is still guilt. But see, we stand before God as Jesus is also the judge. He comes before He, he places the gavel on the podium. He stands before He says, you're guilty. And He enters into your place and He says, I will take His or her place. Innocent. Innocent. Because of the life of Jesus Christ. And then probably one of the most beautiful beautiful, amazing scriptures in all of the Word of God is whosoever, Romans 10, 13. And I thank God today that you and I today are whosoever. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1992, I stood before a holy God destined for a devil's hell. I was a good person. 
but I was destined to hell because I had not received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Accepted His substitution for my life. Where are you today? If you don't know where you spend eternity, my friend, there's a good chance that you're probably not saved if you don't know. Because the Bible says, these things have I written you that you may know that you have eternal life. This is not a hope so, guys. Don't hope so today. If you don't know, I want to give you an opportunity right now to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you want to just pray a simple prayer of faith, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of your works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. And a gift is something you simply receive in love. So I wonder today, would you receive Jesus as the lover of your soul? Just pray a simple prayer of faith from your heart to God. You don't even have to pray it out loud, but pray this right now from your heart to God. Something like this. Dear God in heaven, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. That I have failed you. That I have broken your heart. But today, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to save me. Forgive me of all my sin. Become the Lord over my life. Help me to live for you. And today that you call me home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to be able to pray. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com.